Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Magical Musings. Uh, I'm Joy and Brian is on the other end as he usually is. Hello folks. Alright, so uh, today is uh, episode number 20, uh, kind of a milestone for us, and we're going to be talking about religion and paganism in the workplace. So come on in, have a seat, grab your tea, milk, cookies, whatever it is you want, and join us for the next two hours while we talk about it. So, uh, like I said, we're talking about uh, religion in the workplace. Now, I want to make something clear. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, books, especially the 101 books out there, that are that already talk about uh, your rights to your religion in the workplace. Okay, so that's not going to be the focus of this show. This show is going to talk about things like... Um, how much religion is appropriate in the workplace and some suggestions on things to do should something occur. Uh, I've I've had to to face a lot of these in my time uh, working in various places. I don't know if uh, Brian has ever had to do that. Um, Not so much. Uh, Most of the time, any religious sort of discussions that come up are out of curiosity or, or just kind of a Hey, wait! I think you might be a, uh, and then you know, you know <laughs> in the blank conversation. One of the things that comes to mind when you start thinking about religion in the workplace is, first off, this is a, a, a work environment. I mean, you're there to provide a service for your company, uh, one way or another. Uh, they are paying you based on that. So you've got to really start with the idea that religion at all in the workplace is probably not going to be the best thing that you could do, uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, I, I have a, it's, it's my personal rule of thumb that religion belongs in the, in the chapel, in the um, grove, in your own home. It doesn't belong in at work. Now, given that, anyway, we all know lots and lots and lots of Christians, uh, maybe a few, uh, maybe some Hindus uh, or some uh, uh, Islamics who do take their religion to work with them because it's part of their identity. And that's acceptable. I mean, I don't have a problem with them doing that. And just from the perspective of trying to get along with people, I think you probably shouldn't have a problem with it either. I mean, live and let live, you know, not my kink, not my pig, not my farm. Um, saw that on the newsroom the other day. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's something that, you know, you just got to tolerate. Um, however, as part of our expression as pagans, we're going to want to take something. Be it, you know, just a, a statue of uh, the goddess Informationa, uh, or you know, somebody like that, uh, or something, you know, that's a joke, or just something, you know, a, a nice saying to hang up on your uh, cubicle, uh, and that's acceptable also. Okay, but we're going to be addressing, at least I hope, um, the idea of well, what I would find appropriate and what I would find reasonable. I mean, it's not really reasonable to take your entire altar, uh, set it up on, some, on the snack table, 
uh, cast a circle every day, do the incense and the salt water and everything like that, or draw down uh, the three realms, you know, and do a full ritual before you sit down and actually start serving burgers to people. Um, <laughs> I can see that at McDonald's. Totally. I could, I could too. I mean, it'd be really interesting, and it would certainly make me uh, feel a little bit better about going there. <laughs> Throwing a little of that blessed oil on the grill. <laughs> oh, it would make for an interesting taste. <laughs> but you know, that's that's a little extreme. So, um, let's take it by class. Uh, I think the first thing that we should probably look at is uh, doing it in an office situation or a cubicle farm um, where you have your own desk and your own personal items there that you can leave there for an extended period of time. You get up, you leave the, the computer, you come back, they're still there. Um, and in that case, you know, I would say be reasonable, but go crazy. If you want to have a statue of your deities, if you want to have pictures of your deities, uh, if you want to have um, a small, and I'm talking less than one cubic foot size, altar on your desk, um, I would say I wouldn't have a problem with that and that kind of display, especially if you make it seasonal. Okay, um, so that it rotates around like uh, for Mabon, you're doing harvest stuff. For Embolic, you've got, you know, the eggs and the, and the rabbits and everything like that. So it kind of blends into the background with everybody else's displays. Um, <laughs> you know, yes. if you've got, if you've got a, a situation where um, there's a committee to make up a Christmas tree, um, sneak an ornament that's uh, actually the green man on there. You know, and that's more than appropriate. I wouldn't have a problem with that. And if somebody does, you know, you need to talk to them and you need to talk to your HR people because that's blatant discrimination at that point. Um, well, I mean, I think that has to be turned around as well and, and realize that you can't have pagans then criticizing Christians for having Jesus or what have you in, in the seasonal display. Well, exactly. So, you know, but if they – okay, it's 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 – it's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. If Jesus, uh, Santa Claus, uh, God, things like Ma Holy Mary uh, start showing up in various places on various people's desks, then that kind of gives you permission to do it. Um, but by the same token, if you set up your display first, you then can't complain to anybody that they're putting up Jesus and saying, uh, keep the X, keep Christ in Christmas, you know, because that's kind of hypocritical at that point, and I would really be a little upset with you. <laughs> <laughs> and when you piss Joy off, mm. you've got problems. Yes, you do. You've got lots and lots of problems, because then I stop teaching and stop being nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. So, you know, but... <laughs> The main point here would be to keep it discreet, okay? Yes, we get – I mean, when I was working in IT and going to everybody's desk, uh, sitting down at their desk and working on their computers, I would have inspirational messages from the Bible. I would have three or four different study books for the Bible, uh, things like that stacked on the desk, you know, uh, Jesus and God loves you and inspirational notes and everything like that. And you just have to kind of grit your teeth and go, okay, this is their personal space. They are allowed to have what they want in there. 
It's true. Granted, there are laws in the United States and probably in Canada that limit some of it, okay? But it's more along the lines of getting along with your coworkers. Um, you can't start handing out chick tracks to everybody in the office, especially when they tell you, you they don't want them. That's you know that's against the that's against the work regulations and they will be disciplined for that. Uh, I had one lady who um, was the executive assistant to the IT department who got all the people's uh, emails, personal email or work emails from uh, work along with their home addresses, and sent out Christmas cards and invitations to come to her church. That's illegal, okay? That's kind of stalker-ish. Yes, it is. I mean, she's using privileged information to do something for her church. And while I can understand and I can appreciate her depth of devotion, it's not something that I want to see in my my uh, mailbox. Well, and, and pagan gods don't seem to reward that sort of um, enthusiasm either, so... Mm. Honestly, neither do the Christian deities, but, you know, <laughs> we're talking about in reality here. I don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't ever seen that level of devotion being rewarded by um, <clears throat> most deities. I mean, personal interactions is one thing, aside um, winning the lottery because you sent out requests for donations for your son's mission in Africa is something completely different. Yes, and if there are any Christians out there who have managed that, please do tell us. Mm. Be interesting in hearing the story. If there's any real correlation and proof, I might even consider mm. going to your church just for the sake of it. Well, I know the Mormons have once have several stories along these lines. One of the famous ones is back when um, they were migrating across the United States and finally got to Utah, which was um, right right over near the Great Salt Lake. Uh, they had been planting harvests, and locusts were just coming in and eating everything in sight. Uh, this happened for like two years straight, and they were almost out of all of their food and everything. Hmm. Uh, one of the um, ministers... Where was Joseph in all this? He was dead already. Oh, well then. Yeah. Well, one of the uh, the prophet uh, at the time, I think it was Brigham Young, but I'm not positive, uh, stated that it's because they weren't tithing like they should. They should give the best 10% of all of their stuff to <laughs> to the church first, and then they'd be right with God. And according to the story, at least, uh, they, it sent this wildfire thing throughout all of the Mormons in the area. They started donating. They gave their best 10% and everything. And the locusts came back, and suddenly seagulls come from the Salt Lake and eat them all. And How the convenient. crops are saved. Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, migratory patterns and the fact that seagulls like saltfish. Um, and there's a big body of water, and there's always seagulls around. Kind of makes me think that maybe it wasn't divine intervention, but, you know. <laughs> it's hard to say, though. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you just got to judge it for yourself. To people of faith, that's a demonstration of it. Uh, to people that are skeptics, it's, you know, coincidence, as always. Of but course. anyway. 
getting back to uh, our um, topic, uh, some things that I would suggest uh, as being part of the cubicle farm setting uh, is things that are discreet. I mean, a statue of a blobby-looking thing uh, like the goddess of Willendorf uh, doesn't look like a goddess. Um, however, it does have, you know, very obvious pubes and extremely large breasts, so somebody can get offended by it. However, getting uh, an angel figurine from the dollar store that her wings have been broken off um, and setting that on your desk, that's would be completely appropriate. I mean, it's a little statue. Who's going to object to that? Now, unless you shove it in someone's face and say, this is the goddess Diana, and you must bow down and worship her, you know, then somebody's going to get offended. <laughs> but as long as it's just there, just sitting on your desk, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, I do know that there were some Hindu people that I worked with that uh, had statues of Ganesh on their desk. And it was like, okay, cool. You, you follow Ganesh? Yeah, I follow Ganesh. Okay, cool. And then we went on with, you know, doing the professional thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a, a saying out of the Book of Shadows. Uh, maybe, oh, one of the things that I had is I know a lot of metaphysical stores uh, have buttons for pinning on shirts and things like that for pagan conventions. Um we All Come From the Goddess is one. There's uh, An at Harm None, Do What You Will, with a big pentagram on it. Uh, there's another one that uh, Blessed Be or something like that. And they have bumper stickers for your car that say you know, similar things. Hang one of them up. Mm -hmm. you know, get a couple. Stick them on the wall you know, just to remind yourself that you know, you're, you, this is how you're trying to present yourself uh, at work in general to the public. And, you know, just as a, as a daily reminder, um, let's see, I've got, when I sat down and actually started thinking about all of this, I was like two in the morning in my bed, and I got a whole bunch of items here that could blend into an office environment really well. Uh, one of the things was, um, I've recently started working with Inari, uh, the god of foxes, rice, and the harvest in Japan. Uh, the Kamisama. Kamisama, yes. The deity. Hmm. Um, now, his, he, first off, is both male and female. Goes back and forth. Uh, some stories say male, some stories say female, some don't mention it at all. So, really good deity for those that have problems with gender identity. <laughs> but his um, <coughs> color is red. I mean, the bright. You've seen the Tory gates um, yes. that you go through that nice long 100 Tory gate thing that they had in uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. That color red, that very bright, vibrant red. Um, putting up some red in your cubicle, you know, like a sash or something, that would be fine um, as a representation. Uh, one of the things that I came up with thinking about it was uh, uh, if you have stress balls, you know, those little balls that you get for squeezing when you get really mad, um, get one that's red. Maybe draw a little fox on it. Maybe, maybe if you wanted to, make your own out of a bean bag, except instead of beans, fill it up with rice. Make it out of red cloth and put an appliqued fox on it. 
very blatant that it's for Inari, but mundane enough that people seeing it would go, oh, okay, it's a stress ball. And that's it. Or a paperweight. Yeah, or, or a paper. Yeah, I mean, any of those things. They can all work, and they would all work very well. Um, something that I thought of uh, is a screensaver or your computer desktop wallpaper. It's true. Using, I know we've got lots and lots and lots of themes out there for various pagan and Wiccan traditions uh, where you can install them. It's sounds, it's uh, icons for the desk, it's backgrounds on the, the wallpaper, and maybe a screensaver. Uh, in the older versions of Windows 95 and 98, there were startup and shutdown screens as well that you could replace. And it's just, you know, a general theme. But to keep reminding you about who you are and what you're trying to present, I can't really think of anything better. I mean, you're staring at the computer all day long. So, true. <laughs> you know, here, here's something that, you know, every time you turn away and you're writing down a note and it goes into screensaver mode and you look back and there's, you know, your goddess staring back at you, you kind of go, oh, okay. And it's, you know, another mnemonic for you. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, one of the things, too, that in um, in various traditions of Hinduism, the whole concept of keeping your mind on God, you know, whatever particular avatar you particularly are fond of, Krishna, Vishnu, etc. The idea is that through the course of your day, that whatever you do, you're thinking constantly of God. And that is how they attain union with their deity. Um, so it, it, it very much makes sense in a pagan, you know, practice as well that having their their deity come up constantly on their screensaver or on their desktop wallpaper or whatever is going to keep them mindful of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've used that with great success for quite some time, and the only time I had anybody mention anything about it is when I picked an uh, anime picture of, um, I think it was... Uh, from the anime Oh My Goddess, which uses uh, Erdskuld and Verdathne as the main characters, huh. which those of you who are into Norse mythology just realize that they're the three fates. Um, and I got uh, some very skimpy bikini shots of them. You know, they were fan artwork, but they were beautiful. <laughs> and I had used them as my background, and somebody came by and said, uh, that's a little inappropriate, don't you think? And I said, you think? They're covered. Yeah, but they're, you know, and it's, and you can see, and I went, okay, and changed the background. Didn't even go to HR. It's true. <laughs> Why should it, though? No, because it's I not. I mean, unless you are making a big fuss about, well, I have a right! <laughs> you know, it's, then, you know, obviously it becomes bigger than it needs to be. It does. It really can blow out of proportion. Um, another thing. Especially in a litigious society that we live in. Oh, my lord. <laughs> Sorry. Nerf the world and follow my way. It's incredible how it seems like uh, free speech and uh, freedom of religion applies to, to me, but not anyone else. Well, and, naturally. You know, it's, I mean, it's just incredible. It's the same with Tumblr's definition of open-minded. You oh, know? yeah. <laughs> my definition is clearly the right one, and you are narrow-minded for not believing it. Yes, it is. 
Oh, all right. Uh, in the Inari theme uh, that I was talking about, one of the other things that I had that nobody mentioned anything about was a little figurine of a fox that was just sitting on my desk. I used it as a little tchotchke. I played with it. I messed with it when I had to have something to do with my hands. Uh, picked it up, messed it around, you know, just set it down, looked at it, acknowledged its presence several times, you know, and since foxes are Inari's thing, um, it seemed to help keep that connection. Uh, I got this fox just as a very quick story. I was looking for uh, some figurines to use in our D&D campaign at one point. And if you've ever seen the little lead figures that they use for uh, D&D, they're about two inches tall. Well, my character had a giant cat that she would ride, except all the cat figures that they had were, like, you know, microscopic, and, you know, house cat size in comparison. <laughs> so it's like, no, that's not going to work. So I found an HO size uh, grade um, diorama site for doing trains and model trains. And these figurines, the cat came out being three inches tall. You had to buy a minimum of three, so I bought all the cat figurines they had. One was laying, one was sitting, and then I would just get a fox. <laughs> that's that's what I was using, you know, just as a little statuette to, to mess with. And it seems to have worked uh, really well. Uh hmm. Yeah, it, it was, you know, nobody commented on it uh, when uh, I got dismissed and they wouldn't let me get back to my desk. Uh, they sent it along with the rest of my belongings and it's currently residing in my purse. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that don't cause any eyebrows to be raised other than you still play with toys. But look at the general cubicle farm that you see. Everybody's got pictures of their kids. Uh, drawings from children, other toys, uh, wishing trolls, you know, whatever. Remember that there was this carpet thing that was popular when I was about 13. It went on a pencil. It had two googly eyes that were glued to it. And you would pull this the hair up straight so that it looked nice. And you could write and do everything like that. But if you got stressed, you spun the the pencil between your hands and the hair would just go crazy. I do remember those. You remember them? They did, they existed when I was young. They weren't popular, but they did exist. Oh, I had like six of those things. I mean, you see those occasionally, too. I grew up with, like, remnant um, trolls, the troll dolls, like, in the ugliest conceivable color combinations. Like, there was this one we had, dark red with white hair. Oh, Lord. Ugliest sin, that one. <laughs> um, Jeez, that just... Oh, I mean, you can also do it... Um, several years ago, when we had a small flower garden out behind our house, uh, we got a whole bunch of garden gnomes. I mean, they're only about three inches big, um, but they were the, the gnomes from the book gnomes that got popularized in the 80s. Nice. Uh, and I painted it up, and we stuck those in the garden for inviting, you know, the spirits in to reside in the garden. We actually had a salamander show up one time because they were there, and I thought that was cool as crap. But you could take one of those, you know, stick that on your desk. People would go, you got a garden gnome? Okay, cool. <laughs> 
Actually, I've been nicknamed the Travelocity Gnome. Really? Yeah. Because over the Christmas holidays, I was wearing, like, a red cap. Uh, a toque is what we call it in Canada. And uh, various plain tunic-looking shirts and jackets. So I got nicknamed the Travelocity Gnome. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I've never I was had like, a... he's three feet tall, damn it. You leave me alone. And made out of um, made plaster. out of clay. Yeah, plaster, yeah, so don't fall. <laughs> it's true. So, yeah, they were like, so where have you been this week? Um, nowhere. Shut up. I've been to my house and came home. <laughs> and also understand something. If you're stealth, uh, still in the broom closet at work, uh, or, you know, just trying to... Make yourself a little bit more comfortable, but you don't need, you know, the the grief from your fundamental Christian frothing at the mouth must convert everybody, co-workers. This stuff is kind of stealth. I mean, it's it's really quiet. It's understated. It's not anything that anybody would really think to comment on if they saw it, or if they did, they wouldn't associate it with paganism. Because let's 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 face it. I mean, all these symbols that we have in in the various faiths are natural. They're part of the natural world. They're around us all the time, and nobody except another pagan would associate them with paganism. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it brings me to mind, or brings me, yeah, brings to mind a particular book that I read when I was younger called *The Urban Pagan* by Patricia. Patricia Telesco, I think. Yeah. Um, and it talks about, you know, keeping it stealth at work, and, and it suggests other things that you can actually, you know, take to work and mm-hmm. so on. Um, and as much as I hate to, to recommend it, um, uh, Silver Raven Wolf does have a couple of good ideas with co-opting other people's symbols. Um, I mean, our symbols have been co-opted and integrated into other religions. Why, why not do it backwards? <laughs> Co-opting symbol. Uh, she suggests in um, one of her books, I think it's Teen Wicca, about how to uh, use uh, other people's symbols as part of their own diorama. Uh, for instance, she suggests that you rededicate a Santa Claus doll as uh, the green man. I mean, you know, one of the one of the nice ones, not that's all in red, but maybe in white. Yeah, the or old green. like Father Christmas right. styles, or the the green Father Christmas that used to be like the big thing in in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, something like that sitting out. You know, people think, oh, you got Christmas spirit, and instead, you know, it's pagan representation. Uh, the same thing with you know a, a doll. Um, just, you know, a Raggedy Ann doll that you dressed up differently, uh, in a dress, you know, and have sitting on your desk. I took my, I took, I took my Cindy Lamb to work at one point, along with Easter the Seal, um, and had them sitting on my desk, you know, and would occasionally cuddle with them and, you know, set them back down. Um... And that was, you know, nobody said anything about it. Nobody had a problem with it. They thought it was a little weird because I got stuffed animals on my desk, you know, a full-grown person. Oh, please. uh, (laughs) During the whole Beanie Baby craze, I mean, everyone had those things all over the place. God, yes. And I had bought, you know, a couple Beanie Babies, too. Uh, There was a rabbit that we bought, uh, had an eagle Beanie Baby that I had sitting on my desk. 
you know, an eagle's my, one of my totems, so, you know, there you go, another association there. Um, you could have a holiday card with a pagan deity on it, or one that you associate with being a pagan deity. Um, I mean, I've got a, a picture of Rhiannon um, dressed in only a skirt and cuddling a horse uh, that's by a gentleman by the name of Baird. Uh, and that's, you know, the, the perfect image that I have of the, the goddess, you know, and she sits out on my desk and people are like, oh, that's such a pretty card, you know, never thinking that, hey, this, the, what I really want is the picture. Fair enough. Um, speaking of pictures, you can't, if you've got a color printer at your house, you can print out, uh, artwork of your deities, you know, and hang those up. There's, um... I don't know what's happened, but in the last ten years, artwork for gods and goddesses has just exploded. I know in the 90s, uh, you were doing really well if you could find a statue of Bast somewhere. Um, (laughs) You know, these days, finding specific deities um, as statues and statuettes, you know, you can go down to a flea market and find them these days. Instead of having to special order them for $200 at a pagan store. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. You know, one of the other things that you can have that is really, really stealth, that brings the paganism to you that people aren't going to notice, is a live plant. Why not bring the outdoors in? The plant is there, it's growing, it's sharing its oxygen with you, it's honored by the, the gods and goddesses. We honor the gods and goddesses through our care of them. And, you know, bring a Porthos fern, not a fern. It's big green leaves look like shovels, um, sometimes have yellow veining on them. But that's called uh, Porthos, or Pothos. I'm sorry, Pothos, P-A-T-H-O-S. I named my plant Porthos. Uh, And it does really well in fluorescent light. All you got to do is just, you know, hang it up, water it occasionally, and I would make sacrifices to it, you know. I'd bless some water and put it in there. Uh, I had a spell that I wrote down on some paper, and I shoved it into the dirt underneath it. Um, you know, I had uh, the garden gnome in it at one point, you know. So that's, you know, you can make a, a potted plant that's sitting on your desk or hanging over your cubicle, part of your worship and bring that in. One thing I do want to say is don't put the potted plant on your monitor. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a bad idea. Especially the, if you're uh, going to be frequently watering that one. Mm-hmm. The reason that I mention is that uh, one of the um, tech horror stories that was shared about was a lady who called up and said that her monitor was broken. The tech came down. Sure enough, it was shorted out. He replaced it with a brand new one. She calls back the next day. Monitor shorted out. He comes down, checks it out, replaces it, but sticks around, and watches her pick her potted plant up, set it on top of her monitor, and then start watering it. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) And that's, you know, just one of those, okay, (laughs) how dumb can you be? So don't do that. Um, if you want uh, seasonal displays, uh, say Easter or Halloween even, uh, instead of doing the whole um, ghost and witch thing, um, 
if you want to have a, uh, just a, an altar. I went out one Halloween, uh, or fall season, I should say, uh, went to the produce store um, and bought a whole bunch of those tiny little pumpkins and several assorted gourds and had a cornucopia bowl on my desk. It was just piled up. They were random. They, you know, would fall out and hit the ground and roll off, and I'd pick them up and put them back. You know, but another way of honoring the harvest, because there you go. It's true. That is a pretty decent way, and those little squashes are are pretty long-lasting. Mm-hmm. And when you get done, you can compost them up, stick them in your garden, and, you know, there you go. Just watch out for the seeds. Uh, no, it's true. seriously, there was one point where uh, my mother, my father, and I had a garden out behind our house. Um, and my father, not realizing what would happen, planted two entire rows of cucumbers. <clears throat> um, for those of you that don't know, one cucumber seed can produce one plant that grows up to ten different cucumbers on it. So you're talking about in excess of 60 plants each growing up to 10 cucumbers on it. We were giving these things away. We were we pickled them. We ate them raw. We had them in soups. We had them in salads. We had cucumbers cr- crawling out our ears. We had something along the lines of, of 6,000 cucumbers before the season was over. There were so many left that we started using them as ammunition to chuck down into the garden to scare off the squirrels and the rabbits and things like that. <laughs> What nobody realized was that a cucumber is a seed pod. Yes. It has 6,000 little tiny seeds, and you're throwing it down into a fertile garden. It's true. And I, when Remember, I, people, fruit is the seed <laughs> pod of any plant. And when I realized that, I went, I wonder how many years the poor people that moved into that house had to rip out cucumbers <laughs> from that one season. And I mentioned it to my mother, and she went, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, come on now. A cucumber garden would probably add some value to it. Oh, possibly. Oh, a cucumber farm. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, you know, okay, we've got 6,000 seeds in one. And that makes 6,000 plants, each making 10, so that's 60,000. And then one of those falls off. <laughs> Pretty soon you've got nothing but cucumbers in your yard. The entire neighborhood is overgrown by cucumbers. <laughs> Something. They determine it's a disaster area, and they, they just foreclose and shut down the entire market in that area. Mm. We can't handle it. We can't even fight them anymore. There's too many. <laughs> um... And then someone makes a really, really crappy B-movie called Attack of the Killer Cucumbers. Attack of the Killer Cucumbers. That was the stupidest movie. Oh, I only saw part of it. uh, I couldn't stand it long enough to watch it. I was like, oh my god, this is horrible. I think I got ten minutes into it and that was about it. And I, I just couldn't take it anymore. I've seen random clips of it, and I'm just I I know it, it it hurt my brain too much. Okay, um, in answer to uh, let's say the Bible or the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita being brought by to work to be studied during breaks 
and downtime by other religions, we could do the same thing. Now, it's probably going to raise several eyebrows if you bring uh, Teen Witch or uh, to write a silver broomstick or the Good Witch's Bible or the Complete Witch's Bible or, or the Big Blue Book of Witchcraft and have it sitting open on your desk. There, that's probably going to cause some people to question why you have it. Um, and that may out you by accident. So, as a suggestion, uh, who here remembers uh, making those paper bag book covers for school? I got I my hand up. To. I I have made a few since, but not for school. Well, that's one thing that you can do. I mean, just take a regular brown paper bag uh, that you get from the grocery store. You cut it up in a certain way, and you make a book cover for it. And that takes care of the problem, because if the book is closed, then all they're going to see is the brown paper cover. Um, you can, instead of doing a uh, physical book, you can do an electronic book. There are copies of just about all of these books uh, set up for Kindle, set up for EPUBs, uh, PDF files, whatever, that you can open and read on your computer when you're, when you're not doing anything else. Very true. And that way you don't have anything that's laying around. Nobody can pick it up and walk off with it. Um, and nobody's going to underline things in it and say, believe him, just uh, go with it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you can still have your faith and be um, discreet about it and not be an ass. I mean, it's hard to it's it's a hard thing to do, especially when somebody's getting into your face about it. But remember that you know you're there to work. You're there to make money for the company. You're not there to proselytize. You're not there to explain your beliefs, unless you're directly asked about it, and then go into it as providing information, rather than getting defensive and screaming about, well, I worship uh, the horned god who was there before you Christians came in and took him over for Satan, you know. Don't don't be like that. that well, exactly. That. And then, I mean, you're going to get into a big battle about archetypes and all sorts of, like, which came first, the chicken or the egg kind of arguments. And it's just not worth it, people. Seriously. I mean, um, there's been times when I had to, you know, explain my beliefs uh, to somebody at work. But I always approached it as... Okay, they're curious, they want to know a little bit more so that they get a better handle on me. And I did it non-confrontationally, you know. Yeah, now, there for were, sure. There were a couple of people that, you know, did try to have a problem with it. Um, my email signature for work at one point was, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And that's not even a pagan quote, that's uh, from uh, Blake. And that's just a general life quote. And somebody had a problem with it, and I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So I changed it uh, to, uh, I cannot believe in a God that would endow us with sense, reason, and wisdom, and then expect us to forego their use. And that's from Aristotle, I think. Or some, no. Galileo. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds a little later than that. And, I mean, she had a problem with that one, so I changed it to something else, you know. But, you know, if... Understand, most of the laws 
are going to assume that you're in the wrong with displays of religion, just like displays of uh, affection for your spouse that happens to be working there. Okay, You do it, you're automatically going to be in the wrong. So instead of doing it and being blatant about it and going, this is my right, do it quietly. It's still there. You still know what it is. The gods still know what it is. Other people in the know still know what it is. But once again, you're there to work. You know. Go ahead, Brian, if you've got anything to say. Well, <clears throat> it occurs to me, like, that I've got, like, currently, in my current job, which is uh, not, like, my favorite, but nonetheless, um, I field a lot of questions based on the pentacles or the pendants that I wear to work um, because I have a about a dozen of them that I rotate through. And depending on the person I'm working with, they inspire particular questions or, you know, the general assumption for some of them is, isn't that a Satan symbol? Mm. And so that inspires uh, conversations about the depth and meaning of symbols, and then I can go into a big tirade about how, you know, in several different religions, this symbol means the same thing, and so on. Mm -hmm. um, my very favorite situation um, in the workplace, um, with kind of just being a pagan in the workplace, um, happened when I was working for a call center years ago, for director assistants, and... Um, there was about a dozen of us, and we were in training. And this this woman that we, I was, you know, training with kept looking over at me, and I was kind of like, oh, "Okay, interesting." And what's your she, problem? <laughs> well, I I wanted to snap, but I thought that might be a a bad way to start out on a new job. And she comes up to me after. Our, one of our training sessions is over, and she's like, are you a druid? And I was like, uh, yeah, how did you figure that one out? She's like, I don't know, you just have this vibe about you. Could have, you know, it couldn't have hurt that I was decked all head to toe in green, and I had long hair and an oak leaf pendant and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. No, no, I had a vibe about me, and I was like, all right, I, I suppose you're Clever to pick up on that somehow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then, you know, our, our trainer was a Christian, and so we ended up getting into a, a, a break time discussion about religions and so on. So, mm -hmm. I mean, religion in the workplace can be an interesting way to get to know your coworkers better. Yeah, it really shouldn't be there, but if it has to be, you know, don't be an ass about it. I think is the main takeaway from from this show. Uh, yeah, for sure. Other suggestions. Um, we've got all of, we've got a lot of information that I that I wrote down as I was thinking of things about how you can disguise different things and still have the, your paganism around you while you're at work. So let me just go really quickly through all of this. Uh, incense cones to smell, not to burn. Uh, people are allergic to strong scents. Mary happens to be one of them. Uh, somebody with too much perfume on sends her into an asthmatic attack. So instead of burning the incense, just have the incense sitting there, and you know it will 
project its scent at least in that little area. Um, you can have bells and feathers decorating your, your cubicle. You know, they're wonderful symbols for Earth, or I'm sorry, air, um, and, you know, are easily disposed of. Uh, bones, leather, um, animal parts like that. Um, I don't know of very many people that have bones hanging in their cubicles, but I... <laughs> But I have seen uh, snake spine um, bracelets that some people do sell. And I think uh, Lupus sent me a few at one point, and it was really cool. Um, but yeah, things made out of leather, especially things that are carved on leather. Maybe a triscale or a um, Awen symbol on just a sh- that's in, in, tooled into a piece of leather. That would work. Um, Zen Garden in a Box. Now, and also the desktop waterfalls. In a lot of places, especially like Walmart or um, Kmart or Target or something, you'll get into this area for tchotchkes that has a lot of little things that have absolutely no practical use that you pay a whole lot of money for. Sometimes in there what you'll find is a Zen garden. It's a desktop thing. Essentially, all it is is a square of plastic that has sand that you pour into it, about five or six rocks, and a what looks like a bamboo rake, all in miniature size. And what you do is you meditate while you're, you know, smoothing out the sand and making nice furrows and arranging things and like that. And it's supposed to help you calm down. Uh, same thing for the waterfall. Uh, I know we've got one that is a little pump that pumps water from this reservoir up through a um, fountain that hits this plastic bamboo thing that flips down and clicks, dumps the water back out into the reservoir, and swings back up. And it does this all day. Um, Sounds like a deer chaser kind of a thing. Yeah, kind of. Uh, But it's, you know, it's... These are meditations and stress relief things that, you know, people have and they sell uh, and that are actually kind of cute. <clears throat> you know, they're somewhere around $20 usually. But I think with one one issue with those fountains, too, is the fact that the motor in some of the poorly made ones is an obnoxiously loud little thing that your desk will probably amplify. Probably. Or uh, the electronics aren't shielded very well, so it's going to mess with your computer. Um, just be cautious with those, you know, I mean, as with anything, uh, there's the, um, I call them Benoit balls, but they're actually the hand chime balls that, uh, they come in a pair and they make this little discreet sound and you're supposed to twirl them in your hand and, uh, it's another relaxation thing. Uh, I've had those at my desk and played with them. The only thing that i got to worry about is I have my hand over my desk. I'm playing with them. One falls out. Pow! I mean, it's a loud, loud noise when yeah, it hits the desk. they are. <laughs> they really are. I had that happen about three times in about ten minutes. I had people standing up looking to see who was shooting the gun. Because I was, and I just finally just put them back in the box, closed it up, and said, "Okay, I'm not playing with those anymore." Um, <laughs> That's probably smart. <laughs> There's a time and a place for those, and that ain't it. Mm. Um, you can have mojo bags or sachets. Uh, you know the um, 
for a while there, back in the, the early ooze, late uh, 90s, there was a, a trend for having um, medicine bags. It's a little leather pouch that you have on a necklace uh, or a thong or something that you put things in that are special to you. Um, and it's a way of having your magic with you all the time. Uh, that's, a, that's a mojo bag, medicine pouch, whatever. It's all pretty much the same thing. Uh, but you can hang one of those up in your cubicle, you know. And along with the oil, you can have the, uh, just a sachet. If you happen to be out at a home, home store and you find the perfect sandalwood block that's supposed to be hung up in your closet to make your clothes smell good, why not hang it up in your cubicle to make your cubicle smell nice? You know? mm-hmm. And there's lots and lots and lots of things like this that you can find when you actually start going and looking for them. you got to have a different mindset somewhat in order yeah, to you do. really find them and really be creative with it. But don't The popular verb for that is repurposing. Yes. Um, yeah, and, you know... Manufactured things, you know, the main thing is is that you don't want your main altar at work. You don't want anything that you're going to miss at work. Don't take your druid staff in. Leave the wand at home. Your thame needs to, you know, stay out of the workplace. Uh, Definitely don't bring your sword up Um, (laughs) because um, you may get fired for it, you know, because that's a weapon in the workplace. Um, Plus... Understand that even though this is a workplace, it's still a public area. It may not be open to the general public, but there's all your co-workers. Unless you're locking everything in your drawers every night or unless you have an office with a door that you can lock, there's going to be people that are going to be touching it, moving it, looking at it, uh, reading it. So if you have anything that's, you know, really delicate with, like, tarot cards or rune stones or anything that's charged magically, not going to be good in the office, you know. Uh, I've taken my tarot cards out at work quite a number of times and used them for readings. You know what? They go right back into my purse, and I keep them with me. I don't leave them at work. Be- it's specifically because of that. I mean, a $20 thing of tarot cards that somebody can walk off with, sticking it in their pocket, you know, it's not very fun happy for me. No. Especially when I've got all my energy in it. It's true. I mean, the reality is things that are removable from the space are going to be removed because some people just can't help themselves. And, there, you know, there's kleptos all the time. Um... Some things that you can do also that, you know, aren't visible. You can have your deities' names as your passwords. Everybody's got computer passwords on multiple different things. Sites, emails, uh, logins, whatever. You can use deity name for that. Let's just, for example, take Inari. I-N-A-R-I. Capital I in the at symbol R and then a one. And that, you know, more than takes care of the password. It's five letters long. Uh, it's easy to remember. It's easy to, to change around. It looks like a Nari, and every time you t- type it in, you're thinking about it. You know, more power to the deities. Uh, the last thing that I have noted down here, because we've gone through pretty much everything else, 
uh, is uh, electronic spells. Some of the thi- uh there's a, a everyday paganism, and I think it's um, by Trish Telesco again. Uh, might not be. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, but in there, she talks about uh, a disc spell. Basically, what she advises that you do is you write out a text file with a spell in it, and you save that spell to a floppy disk, and you carry that floppy disk with you uh, as an amulet of the spell. Uh, To translate for our younger viewers, that means burn it onto a CD. (laughs) You're going to waste a CD, but um, yeah, something along those lines. Or put it onto a flash drive. Or that. Uh, I went one further. I made up a text spell like that, uh, converted it over into uh, CSS language, which is um, um, a markup language for formatting on web pages, um, so that it would read it and it would think that it was a set of instructions that it needed to execute, um, but it would be all commented out so it didn't actually do any of them, so nothing got uh, messed up. Uh, And I put that into a a comments field on my website. I also took that same spell and uh, put it onto a a hard drive uh, and put it in a specific directory that I knew that the computer would look at every time it was turned on. So it would go through that directory, it would read all the, the information in that directory, it would see the spell, it wouldn't do anything with it, it would just move on. But every time it read it, it would execute the spell, kind of like a prayer wheel. You know those uh, Buddhist prayer wheels with the little, looks like a can on top of a stick, and you spin it and the can rotates? Well, inside that can is a prayer that is written out on a strip of paper, and every time the can rotates around, the spell is, the prayer is cast again. Okay? This is the same theory, just in an electronic form. And since I was setting up everybody's computers, I was putting them on everybody's computer. It wasn't hurting anything, but every time they turned their computer on, it would execute the spell again. You're turning everyone's computers into a spell-crafting thing. A spell generator. I mean, the the point is to put energy into the spell. Then the more that you can do it, the better. You know, And with the spell that I put on the website, every time somebody loaded up the front page, it would re-execute that spell. Hmm. And it worked. It really did. Um, it was the <laughs> the main focus of that spell was uh, to keep idiots away. It was, it was idiot repellent. So I put in things like uh, thinking, colon, true. Um, open mind, colon, true. Judgmental, colon, false. You know, so it looked like a set of computer instructions. And I really didn't get very much uh, hate mail and idiocy and fluff bunnies coming to Davin's journal. I mean, I just really didn't. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Now that we've talked about the cubicle farm, um, well, actually, this is a transition point. I guess this is a good point for the uh, whole please give to us. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out to a couple of people. We got a $20 donation, and we had uh, somebody else set up a permanent um, 
donation to the site so that we always have money to pay for this. We appreciate it mightily. It is needed because that's one less expense that I have to bear. Uh, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It really, yeah, really helps. Um, if you want to donate, uh, we are on the web at magicalmusings.net. There is a huge donate button off onto the on the right-hand side where you just go and click on it, and you can set up a payment like one person did. You can uh, drop us $5 or $10 or whatever. Um, and more than that, you can share our site with, with other people, people in your groups, uh, people that um, you circle with, or, you know, just general... Duh, duh. My brain locked. I'm sorry. <laughs> Brian, take over. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you know people who might have some interest in some of the topics we talk about, then by all means spread the word, because I've been talking to a few people from Tumblr, and they've listened to a few of our episodes, and they're like, wow, you know, that's pretty good stuff. Um, and these people might not otherwise have, you know, had any interest in the shows at all, had we not been talking about some of their own interests. So if you know of a particular episode that we've touched on something that interests someone you know, then pass the word along, uh, and maybe we'll get some more dedicated listeners I hope you never so. can tell. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, and yeah, we have no advertising. We're not going out to anybody and saying, come listen to uh, our show. Uh, we have a presence on iTunes simply because it's an easy way to distribute the podcast to multiple people. Uh, maybe get it out there. So word of mouth is you know critical for this. Um, sharing it with people that you're with or listening to, sharing the topics... Just, you know, emailing them, hey, I found this podcast, go take a listen. Um, and emailing us if you if you like what, we're, what you're hearing. I mean, I'm at joy uh, at magicalmusings.net. Brian is at brian at magicalmusings.net. We have Tumblr um, I, um, identities, uh, wide worlds joy, wide hyphen worlds hyphen joy dot tumblr dot com and cosmic hyphen rebirth dot tumblr dot com's Brian's. Uh, I mean, I th that's about it, isn't it? I think so. Okay. Basically, the point is, we are out there, and we would appreciate your help in getting us even further spread. Mm. Yeah, I'd I'd love to use up all our bandwidth again, uh, just not in piracy. <laughs> Because I think that's what, what's happening a few months ago, is that somebody was downloading the same podcast over and over and over and over again, and it used up all of our bandwidth. But, yeah, if we can get, you know, we get maybe 17, 18 listens uh, the, for a new episode when it goes up until the next one goes up, and then over time we may get 40 or 50 more. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to see that hit triple numbers in the first month. And, you know, we might, if we could swing it, we might even be able to do this on a more regular basis. I mean, the reason that we're doing it once a month now is because, frankly, there wasn't very much feedback. And so we sort of went, well, I've got my life to live, you've got your life to live, scheduling's messed up, uh, let's not record it this week. So Pretty much. You want us to record more? Hey, let us know. <laughs> 
It's true. And I mean, again, we are two minds and there's only so far that we can go with coming up with interests, uh, topics and so on. I mean, if you've got a topic that you want to hear more about that we haven't covered yet, um, you know, fill us in, you know, tell us that it's something you've come across and you kind of want to learn more and, you know, then we can start looking at doing a show about it. Yeah, that's how the episode about dragons got up there. Somebody wrote in and say, I love, said, I love your show. It's changed my life. It's really helped me. Uh, I'd like to hear more about the dragons. And so we did a whole two-hour show on dragons and other mythical creatures, but mostly about dragons because I've mentioned that a number of times, and people seem she seemed to want to hear about it. So, hey, why not? Need content anyway. <laughs> it's true. Um, and, yeah, I mean... Aside from that, I mean, we generally appreciate hearing from you and, you know, tell us the things that you like about the show or don't like or, you know, anything else. I mean, we we like to know that we're doing things well or that, you know, we're terrible at things or whatever. Mm, yes. Okay, so having done the begging section of the show, um, we talked about the cubicle farm and all of that stuff. So we're going to set that aside now and talk about working in a customer service environment, such as um, the receptionist or a um, job doing flipping burgers or something where you don't have assigned, an assigned place to go and that is yours, that you can put your stuff at. You can still show um, what you are and who you are. You're going to have to be a lot more contained about it, and the best way to do that is through jewelry. I mean, Brian's mentioned uh, his necklaces. Uh, I wear various necklaces with pentagrams or dragons or foxes quite a lot. Uh, I've got bracelets that say the same thing. I've got buttons on my backpack and on my purse. Um, you know, and nobody really thinks anything about them, even though they, you know, pagan and proud. Uh, across my backpack, but it's like, okay, and, because it's not in people's faces, okay, it's something small, it's something that is self-contained, it's something that if ripped off or lost or stolen, I'm not going to be devastated to, to lose. Uh, I've even got my anointing oil in my backpack. I don't know why I brought my anointing oil, but I've got it in my backpack. It's in a it's glass. To cast out the demons. Or something. It's <laughs> it's uh, a little bud vase with a, a cork in it. And it literally is the sacred anointing oil that I use in ritual. And I don't know why I have it, but I do. And, you know, stuff like that, there's no problems with that. I mean, you can take a couple of essential oils and very small one-ounce vials uh, if you want. Uh, if you don't want to do glass because it might shatter... Uh, the pill bottles, the aluminum pill bottles that they sell at uh, the drugstores will hold about two and a half ounces of fluid, and it won't leak. And you can stick that on your keychain so that it's always with you. You know, key fobs um, that are representative of your deities or uh, an idea that you want to have. You don't have to go out and spend $100,000 on this. You don't even have to spend $50 on it. You can get uh, the equipment together to make your own key fob thing. So why not put, print out a picture of your goddess and slide it in there? 
you know, two bucks. There you go. It's and true. You're constantly fondling it and holding it when you're when you got your keys in your hand. You know, Mary's got a metal triscale uh, made out of copper that she found at a flea market several several years ago. That's still on her key ring. Uh, she treasures that. It's one of her very few possessions that she's hung on to for 30 years. <laughs> um, let's see. Necklaces. Uh, mojo bags. Uh, bracelets. Um, you can even do earrings. If you've got uh, facial piercings, you can't. There's you know specific facial piercing jewelry. Uh, that has, you know, symbols on it. I've seen one that's a yin-yang. I've seen another that's a smiley face. Um, I bet if you look hard enough, you can find one that's a triscale if you really want it. You know. Um, bookmarks. Why not have a bookmark that has uh, something that reminds you of something that you're trying to bring to you? You know. piece of leather with a painted word on it. Or uh, a transfer. Iron on, something like that. It's true, mm-hmm. and there's nothing to say that you can't wear like a print T-shirt underneath your work uniform or whatever as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's you know there's that. Um, bumper stickers on your car, you know, on your laptop. There was a trend for a while for putting decorations on the lid of your laptop and you know little flowers and hearts and stuff. And I put a big bumper sticker on there that said. Uh, do not meddle in the affair of dragons, for you are tasty and good with ketchup. Uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Humans are tasty. Um, speaking of uh, computers, um, your smartphone is a computer. Put a wallpaper of your deity on there. Or on the lock screen. There are apps for reading uh, books and stuff. Why not put your Book of Shadows on the SD card, slide it into your smartphone, and then you've always got it with you. Uh, There are some people that have made up uh, what's called a crash kit or a portable altar, where it's the very basics that you have to have to cast a circle. Uh, A little restaurant packet of iodized salt, an an incense stick, a match, um, a tiny little knife or a stick that you've consecrated as a wand. Stick Mm -hmm. that in your pocket and go. You know, circle on the go. Um, And it's, you know, these don't have to be super expensive. They can be one-use things. I mean, I've gotten into uh, disaster prepping and getting ready for the end of the world. And some of these things that they've got are ingenious. Um, There was a uh, knife that they had made of metal uh, could be consecrated to to be a nathame that folds up in such a way that you can stick it into your uh, wallet as a credit card. You know, and it's like, whoa, this is a full-size knife. This is not, you know, a little one-inch blade. This is a good three-inch blade that you got on here. You know, and once it's open and done up, you know, there's your nathame. Yeah. They've got... um, there was a uh, uh, a lighter, uh, a, a permanent match is what they called it. It's a little square case that you fill with lighter fluid. There's this screw thing on top, and when you unscrew it and take it out, it's a rod 
with a uh, flint on the end and um, a uh, wick of some sort right around that. On the side is a striker. You scrape the flint down the striker, it makes a lot of sparks, and the, the wick on this match lights up. You blow it out, you stick it back into the thing. Okay, it's called the Everstrike match. It costs, I saw someplace somebody was selling them for a dime a piece with $5 shipping. And you could buy up to 100 if you wanted. You know, there's your hmm. fire. All you got to do is dump a little of that fluid that's in there out, light it up, and, you know, burn it. There you go. Um, <laughs> you know, things like this, small portable things, but it, they're, they're things that you don't necessarily care if they get lost. You know, th it's going to be a little traumatic to lose a wand, but you're not losing the one that you spent $200 on that you hand-carved for five months under a full moon every night, you know, because that's going to be really traumatic. You're, you're losing a stick, you know, that you've used occasionally for uh, emergency, you know. And if you want to go with it, you don't even have to have any of that. It's true. If you can't make a circle with your finger and your hand and stuff, then you just have no idea what you're doing. It's... That's one of the advanced ones. I mean, because you got to... Doing a, a... Okay. We're done with the, the religion in the workplace at this point. Pretty much. Um, now we're going into the digression for the next hour. <laughs> it's It's... We can do that. Yeah. The, We've not had problems before. Oh, no. We've never gone off topic, have we? <laughs> I was thinking... It's not even you know, thought of. <laughs> uh, and we never, ever, ever exaggerate. No. Hyperbole? Um, never. <laughs> one of the things that... the Like Brian said, the, the mental imaging for doing ritual... That's a common skill. It should be a common skill. It's something that everybody should be able to do. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't. And I think it's because they have this, this idea that the, that the tool is what's important. Here we have a religion that deals with metaphysical energy. Uh, energy that is not part of our living world. We can't see it. We can't weigh it. We can't measure it. Um, most people you talk to about it don't believe it exists. Um, you can prove it over a lot of time, effort, and energy. But for the most part, it's like metaphysical energy. Magic? What the hell are you talking about? Are you insane? Uh, of course, the same thing was said about electricity, so you can't really discount it anymore because we proved electricity, and it's really useful, and one day we may prove magic. But being able to do it all in your mind and only in your mind, that is a next-level skill, okay? And that's something that everybody should be working towards. The easiest way I've found to do it is to create the scene in your mind. 
for instance, when you cast, let's just say, a general Wiccan circle, what you wind up doing is you go to the altar, um, you say that the circle is now going to be cast, if you're not supposed to be here, go away. You pick up the uh, salt and dump three spoonfuls into the water, mix it around, and that is the salt water. You bless it, you take it around the perimeter of the circle, you sprinkle it all around the perimeter of the circle. You go back to the, the altar, you set that down. You pick up the uh, incense. You hold the incense in your hand, you take it around the circle, and you spread the incense out along the same perimeter that you just created. Okay, you put that back down on the altar. Okay, you take up the asame, you hold it aloft, you uh, call the energy to it, you take that around the circle, and you visualize the energy going through your hand, through the asame, and down into the perimeter of the circle. Okay, and you finish that up, and when you get done and seal it the third time, you feel a dome of energy around you. Right? This is how. This is the general process. Instead of actually having the physical tools, imagine that in your mind. Imagine sitting there in an area. You don't have any tools with you. You don't have any water. You don't have any um, physical representations of anything. You may have the clothes on your back and that's it. So you close your eyes. You imagine that the altar is sitting there in front of you. That in the bowl is the water, that in another bowl is the salt. And you pick up the salt with your mind, in your imagination, in your visualization, and you dump it into the water. And you stir it with your finger. And then you imagine yourself standing up and moving around. It's a guided meditation. That's really all this type of magic is. Okay? It is a very, it is a guided meditation you do for yourself. Okay? But the problem is, is that most people go, but I don't have any of my things there. Okay, I don't have <laughs> the tools. The tools are great, but the tools ultimately are a crutch. Because tools are there to focus your mind. That is all they are for. You believe that this knife, which you have been using in this ritual for this amount of time, that has been blessed by this... Um, incense and by this fire and by this powerful mage and this that and the other has a specialness to it that makes it perfect for using in the circle okay that belief focuses your mind when you're using it your brain is your subconscious is saying this is a special knife and I have to be holy when I'm touching it so I pick it up, and now I'm holy, and I'm more focused on what I'm doing, and I'm going to use it to cast my circle now. Okay? Mm. Rem remove the knife, and if you can convince yourself hard enough that what you're doing is just as holy, you don't need the knife anymore. Okay? Because all, that's all the tools are for. They are a way to focus the brain on the task at hand. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's the whole thing with magic and, and ritual practice of any sort is the the concept that it's meant to train you and focus on um, your goals. I mean, it's a development of willpower. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the same that you would achieve through meditation practices of any kind. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's all it re- all it really is. Uh, all of magic, all of religion, all of channeling, all of psychic ability, all of any of the metaphysics that you want to bring out is focusing your will. Okay, focusing your power, your personal energy, and overriding the reality that you see around you every day. Okay, because here's where we get really esoteric. The the world that you see you is not see around you is not all there is. The world that you experience when you're in circle is not all there is. The world that you have around you when you are meditating is not all there is. The world that you interact in when you're dreaming is not all there is. There are hundreds of billions of infinite, infinity of universes out there that are different from here, where fire burns underwater and we can't breathe in oxygen, uh, where birds are the intelligent species and uh, humans are little more than apes. There's Anything that you can imagine is out there. And ultimately, when you peel away everything that people do, the only thing that these things have in common is willpower. There is the spirit of you, your personality, yourself, your mental process, your identity as yourself, and your willpower. That willpower is translated into creation, into... Uh, what you see around you, into how you interact with things. It's the basis for all magic and all metaphysics, is using that willpower to focus on what you want. Okay? And if you stop and think about it for a little while, you've been doing this all this time. All of the things that you cast spells for, that you've done rituals for, It's focusing your willpower to bring it to you. I mean, Aleister Crowley said it. Magic is the art and science of causing change to occur in conformity with will. Okay? Meaning that it is the art of doing it. It is the artistic expression of your creative potential. And the science, because if you do it the same way every single time, you're going to get the same results. Every time. Of causing whatever change in your life to happen as you have desired it to happen. That is the sum total of metaphysics. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Brian's chatting with somebody. (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm listening, or I'm I'm hearing updates on some things that I was talking to him about this morning, so... Uh, Okay, no problem. Um... But yes, yeah, so if you want to believe that you have an athame, an enchanted athame, in your hand while you are going through this guided meditation of walking around the circle, even if you're not moving, you're still doing it. The action is still being taken, it's just not with your physical body. It's being taken with your astral body and your mental body, okay? And it's still happening on other planes, which is where it happens anyway, Okay? And all you have to do at that point is act like it has happened, and it has. That's one of the hardest things, I think, for people to to get, is they understand the concept of doing it mentally, but then they doubt it 
after a few minutes. Well, I didn't really do that, and you know what it does? That kills it immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like casting a shield around yourself. You cast a shield to make yourself impervious to other people's emotions, to keep uh, astral entities from coming in and screwing with your head. And then the very first thing you do when you go to time later is go, well, did I really do that? And that doubt dispels it immediately. So then you have to build it again. You have to spend time reinforcing it. And, wow, did I do that? And it's gone again. Okay. That's where a lot of a lot of newbies, a lot of practitioners, and a lot of very experienced practitioners fall down is that they have that moment of doubt, and it's gone. So it's you true. Have to, you have to really work to to convince yourself not to doubt it. One of the one of the greatest quotes I ever saw in um, a book was uh, in. I think it was Illusions by Richard Bach. And uh, the, the saying went, um, in order to bring anything into your life, pretend that it's already there. It's the same principle. If you want a shield around you, act like you have a shield around you, know you have a shield around you, and you have a shield around you. It's if you true. Want, if you want to be in a sacred circle, know that you're in a sacred circle, pretend that you're being in a sacred circle. No, don't even pretend. Be in a sacred circle. You have a sacred circle around you. It's moving with you. You're in it. Act like it. It's there. That's all that's needed. For sure. The great secret of metaphysics, and we're going to be—I'm going to be thrown out of the magicians' guild just any minute. It's <laughs> true. Somebody's going to send me something. Going, you're giving it all away. <laughs> it's true. Now. It sounds really simple. I mean, that sounds just so blindingly easy. In practice, it's fucking hard. Yeah, uh, it can be. Years and years and years and years and years of work, uh, at least on my end, in order to get to that point. It's a simple concept, but the discipline it takes to get there really makes the journey worth it because I mean you're you're convincing your subconscious to override the reality that it sees around it every day and when you die that reality goes away because it's no longer inputting information anymore essentially what you're doing is living in a 3D interactive movie um I saw a Tumblr post a while back talking about how life was uh, just this terrible game. You only had, you know, one death and that was it. You had to start over. Uh, they gave you random characters. You know, they, the the price for gold in there. The the time scale was just horrible in this game. I mean, this MMO called Life. It was terrible because it was one day equals one day, and I mean, you can't get anything done. <laughs> And they went on with it, and it was just hilarious. But that's essentially what life is. It's just an interactive game that all of us are playing together that takes 70 years or so to complete. And even then, you may not get it completed. You know, you have to have side quests for things like jobs and family and children. Uh, <laughs> and, um, i got to find that and put that up someplace. It was just hilarious. 
but that's that's essentially what our reality is that we're looking at, that we're around, that we see. Is it's an interactive game that we've agreed to these rules, and that's how the game is going to be played out. And we can change it by simply believing we can change it. You know, I'm having, I'm facing that problem myself. I've lost my job again, like y'all know. Um, so I'm having to believe myself back into work. And the option is there for me not to go back to a, a cubicle farm, um, but to go into my own business and figuring out what I want to do and sitting down and actually having the self-discipline enough to do it is taking a quantum change in my thinking. I can do it. I will do it. It's just really hard. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. Um, I don't know. That's an hour and a half. <laughs> um, we could end it early. I mean, there's no set thing that says we have to have two hours. Yeah, I know. All right. Yeah, let's go ahead and end it early. Um, everybody, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, today's show, show is brought to you by Short Time. Uh, <laughs> go, go home early. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks so much for listening. Uh, go back and listen to uh, this section at about an hour to uh, hear all our contact information and everything. And we'll see you next time. Thank you very much, folks. Have a good night. Bye. Bye-bye.